All right, well, let's start with some prayer, guys. So, dear Lord, we just thank you for this time that we can all come together, Lord, and uh, hear your words, Lord, to look, take us, take a, just a little bit of a glimpse of what the future holds. Lord, but I, even now, Lord, we know that your word is going to speak to us and really apply to some of the stuff that is going on in the world right now. Um, Lord, so I just pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to uh, the Spirit and what he is saying through your word. So, Lord, would you uh, allow this time to be about you and your glory? And, Lord, we just uh, give you all of ourselves, Lord, so that we can can glorify you, so that we can honor you, Lord, and so that we can move forward in faith, Lord, by by your strength, Lord, because it's not in our strength. None of this is from us, Lord. It's all from you, Lord, and that's the only way that this ever works. So, Lord, we praise you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, um... I would say I could give you a little bit of a recap. However, Revelation is so crazy that it's hard to give a recap on anything. However, the best I can do is that right now, we're going to go through the seals that are being broken on this scroll that Jesus took from God. Because he was the only one worthy to take the scroll from God. And he was worthy because of what he accomplished on the cross and then raising from the dead. So um, he is going to break these seals. And what this scroll is, it's like the title deed to the universe. That's the best way that I can describe it, is that only people who are worthy are able to open the scroll. And Jesus is the only one, which means he is the only one worthy to receive from God given that he's God, so to receive from himself in father form from, yeah, it's just crazy. The Trinity is nuts. It's hard to explain, but <laughs> see you laughing back there, you know, but Jesus is opening these seals and each seal once is broken, unleashes a judgment on the earth for sin. So, and, and these, these, these judgments fall upon the unbelieving in the world so uh, contrary to popular belief believers are still on the earth during this time there's a lot of teaching out there that says we're not it's not true because jesus even said that his return and even the resurrection and the gathering of believers is not until after this period the seven-year period of the tribulation so let's get into this it's a lot of picture it's a lot of a lot of kind of craziness when you hear it you can take it literal more than likely these are pictures however the things that are happening as the seals break are crazy and and we can even see some of it kind of happening now however as these seals get broken these judgments are like 10 times what we see from what we see in the world now. So let me go ahead and read. I'll probably stop at each seal and we'll just kind of talk about it just a little bit. Then I saw the lamb open one of the seven seals and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, come. I looked and there was a white horse its rider held a bow a crown was given him and he went out as a conqueror in order to conquer so there is teaching right now that 
we're actually in the in this period of the seals being broken. A lot of people believe that we're in the era of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I don't think that is true in the slightest because it's just not as bad as what we're going to read. And now this writer, oh, let me real quick, just in case you're not sure of who these four living creature are, these are angels that are in the throne, throne room of God. They are the ones that kind of minister and serve God directly and sing praises to him constantly. So um, this horse, many people try to make this Jesus. However, when you read it in the true context and in the original language, the original language, you see that this can't be Jesus. Because this writer, even though he's given a crown, the word is different than the crown that we see Jesus have when he returns later in Revelation. Because the word here, instead of, instead of like a crown, is more meaningful of like one of those wreaths that they put on, on people who won back, back then in games or Olympic games and stuff like that. You know, they were given a prize. It was this really cool looking wreath thing like they do for horses in horse races now. You know, but the word crown here is actually translated from the word Stephanos. Now that is a, a different type of crown where it's more of a lowly kind of crown. It's not like, you're not like kingly, but you're kind of noble. So when we see Jesus's actual return, he's riding a white horse. However, the crown he has is called a diadema. And that is a crown that has many diadems, so many different jewels. It is a kingly crown. So that's how you know there is a difference here. And when Jesus returns, he doesn't have a bow. He's got a sword. And it's going to be trippy, crazy, and scary. And even later on, as we're going to read, when he is returning, people are going to try to hide and are going to want rocks and mountains to fall on them because they want to get away from the wrath of God. So if I had to venture any kind of a guess here on who this is actually a picture of, I would have to say either the false prophet or the Antichrist. And the reason I come up with that is because he, he goes out and he conquers. Well, what does the Antichrist do? He comes and he conquers and he actually becomes the world leader. He is the only person in all of history to actually conquer the entire world, like as a human. Now, Jesus owns the world. However, this is all part of the plan that the Antichrist has to come and he has to, con he has to conquer over the entire world. Now, the way he does this, is not by, by actually making war. He comes in and take like today's day and age, right? Things are crazy out in the world right now, right? You know, we got social justice issues. We got pandemics. We got all kinds of fun stuff going on. We had an earthquake, what, a month ago here? That's pretty well unheard of for the most part. Like most people didn't even know what was going on being from California, I knew exactly what was going on. I was like, yeah, that's an earthquake, people. And everybody's just standing there like, what? It's like, well, 
you know. And now there's all this volcanic activity and earthquakes taking place around Yellowstone, which is a mega volcano. And that thing goes off, we're all gone. <laughs> you know, just even even if it's even if it still blows up over there, the ash and the the lava, the stuff spewing out of that thing is gonna end up here. And just from the toxicity, we'll probably die. You know, but we're seeing more and more of what Jesus described in Matthew 24 and 25 at the Olivet Discourse starting to take place. We're like in the beginning of the beginning of these things happening. You know, so, so if this is the false prophet or the Antichrist, he's not conquering with war because he's only given a bow. There's no arrows mentioned here. So he's not actually causing war. Instead, he's doing a bloodless war where he is actually taking all the junk going on in the world and bringing it into peace. He brings it into this place of peace, which is what everybody is kind of wanting, right? We all want this peace. We all want this unity, you know, but we're looking in all the wrong places for it. And we're looking for a political leader who is going to be able to usher in that peace. So everybody's kind of waiting for some leader to show up and actually take care of this issue. Like, is he alive today? We have no idea. Do we know who he is? Not a clue. You know, people like to point fingers and take guesses. Like, I couldn't tell you how many times I've heard people tell me, oh, Trump's the Antichrist. Well, we don't know that. You know, or, or Putin is the Antichrist. We don't know that. You know, everybody's going to venture guesses. We're not going to know until he's on the scene, until he's actually taking over. Remember the Ayatollah He was the most Antichrist because he was Iranian. They believe in the old Bible. They don't believe anything about Christ. And the real Antichrist is loudly outspoken against the United States. President Trump is a good man. He is pro us. He's on our side. I'm sure of it. But the real one would be loud and outspoken and dangerous, like Iran Swedish. Hmm. I mean, back back in the day that this was was written, you know, and when Jesus had given the Olivet Discourse, a lot of people thought that Emperor Nero was the Antichrist because of the torture and persecution he brought on the early church and Christians. You know, he is the emperor who lit Christians on fire in his garden to light the light the garden at night and then have parades through it. Yeah, crazy, huh? You know, they would crucify thousands of people along a road, you know, that were Christians because they didn't Christians didn't worship the emperor. You know, cuz emperor worship was like huge back then. So so we're going to probably see some stuff that's similar to that. But however, this Antichrist, this Messiah, this, this false prophet, it's going to give a false peace. It's not going to be a lasting peace. You know, it's going to last for a time. And then we're going to see just utter destruction and all hell break loose. I mean, for lack of any better terms. And so if I had to take a guess... That is who I believe is being described here. Because it looks like Jesus, but it's not Jesus. And that's exactly what the Antichrist is. He looks like the Messiah, but he's not the Messiah. 
So then we move on to the second seal, and it says, When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse went out, a fiery red one, and its rider was allowed to take peace from the earth so that people would slaughter one another, and a large sword was given to him. So <laughs> you see that you have the one who conquers, and then you have the one who takes peace away, right? I said peace will only last for a certain amount of time, and then you're going to see war. You know, people are going to be slaughtered. And the sword here is not like one of the giant broadswords that you would see like um, Braveheart use. You know, it's not the Braveheart sword. It's more of a, a short sword that you could use on a cavalry type of soldier. You know, it was easier to maneuver on a horse and slash at people and blah, blah, blah. You know, so, so this rider is taking peace from the earth. So you have that time of peace and then this rider comes along, takes that, that blanket of peace away, and then we see utter disarray and destruction come upon the earth. People are killing people like crazy. And that's why I say you can see some of the parallels of what's already happening in the world. Because people are killing people right now. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, you're watching people die left and right, and they're slaughtering each other in some of the most gruesome ways. Like, it's, it's disgusting and sad. And it's because the world is completely missing what they really need, and that's Jesus. You know, but I don't want to go too deep onto that. However, we're seeing just so much stuff kind of like this already happening, and that's why people are saying, well... These horsemen are already here. These seals have already been broken. I just don't see it because this is going to be 10 times worse than what we see today. You know, and that's, that's why we know that the world is actually going to get worse. We're going to want to fight against it. We're going to want to cause things to get better. But Jesus says in Matthew 24 that, that lawlessness is going to be increased and the love of many will grow cold. And he says that as he's talking about the end times, as he's talking about the tribulation period. And he says that this is the beginning of the birth pains. And that's why I think we're kind of in that point of, of the prophetic clock, of the, of the apocalyptic type clock. You know, it's counting down to when Jesus is going to return. And we need to make sure we're on the right side. You know, instead of falling under the judgment that we see here, because Jesus says followers of him who are faithfully enduring in his name, they will be protected from this. They will be protected from this judgment and wrath that is being poured out. However, we won't be protected from like people coming and killing us, you know, because people are going to hate us because we're going to be trying to show them the truth and they're not going to want to acknowledge the truth. They don't want to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They want to believe that this guy who came and brought him peace is the Messiah. But they're going to find out that they're wrong, and then it might be too late. And uh, honestly, I don't want anybody to be too late when it comes to that. I want to see people come to Jesus, and that's why the gospel is so important in today's day and age. That is the power to change what's going on in the world. So... So, you know, we see just slaughter. We see people killing each other. Peace is gone. 
And then he opens the third seal. And when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and there was a black horse. <clears throat> its rider held a set of scales in its hand. Then I heard something like the voice among the living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarters of barley for a denarius. Do not harm the oil and the wine. So what this horse is, what this rider is a picture of, is famine. This is what happens after worldwide war. Generally, there is not a lot of resources left. You know, we see famine and we see that there's been inflation because they you know, raise the prices on everything and now people can't afford stuff. So then they had to stop making stuff and then it's kind of some of the stuff we might be seeing today. You know, we could be seeing some form of this, but this, we, had, we don't have worldwide war right now. You know, where people are slaughtering each other. But right now, there is a lot going on and it's causing issues and it's causing what economists are starting to see is an inflation. So pretty soon, who knows, our minimum wage jobs may not be able to afford, you know, one, one good meal for that day. Because that's what this is. A denarius in, the, in that time was a single person's day wage. So their whole day wage would be spent just buying something for them to eat one meal. We're not even counting their family. You know, it's just one person's day wage. And it's going to be pretty crazy, right? They're going to be having to ration food. They're going to have to find some way for this to work. And unfortunately, it's not. However, when, they, when he says, you know, do not harm the oil and the wine, well, oil was used to make bread, was made to mix with wheat. However, these things are going to become luxury items because there's going to be so scarce of them. And because wine back then wasn't used just for getting drunk. It was used to purify water. You know, they'd put a little bit of wine in their water to kill some of the bacteria because they probably had a higher concentration of alcohol at that point in their wine. You know, so just know that those things are probably be, be considered a luxury item. And it's going to cost more than one day's wage. You know, we're going to work hard trying to get food. You know, unless, unless you prepare now, I mean, there's that chance that, you know, you could grow your own food. However, I, I could see the Antichrist coming in and going, uh-uh, you can't grow your own food. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know, and then all of a sudden we're going, shoot, we're starving because as believers, we don't take the mark of the beast, which is the only way to buy and sell. So then you have to go underground with your, with your food buying, with your selling of stuff, you know, you sharing back and forth between other believers. And I think that part's going to be cool because you'll see this unity that the church hasn't really had since probably 300 AD. So I believe it was 328, 327 AD that the first church building was ever made. 
was ever erected. And that's when we started seeing the church kind of change. You know, because Rome came in and started adding stuff to it. Um, but that's a different message. <laughs> so then the fourth seal, the living creature says, Come. And I looked, and there was a pale green horse. So this is kind of like an ashen color horse. Like, think of a dead body. That's decomposing. And, uh, <clears throat> and its rider was named Death. And Hades was following after him. They were given authority over a fourth or 25% of the earth to kill by the sword, by famine and by plague and by wild animals of the earth. That's scary. I mean, if this stuff doesn't scare you, there might be something wrong with you. But for us as believers, this doesn't have to scare us. But at the same time, just having this and seeing that this stuff is going to happen to people we love, people we care about, people who aren't following Jesus in our lives, and we're going to be sitting there watching this happen and going, why didn't I do more to present the gospel to them? And I think that's what's most scary for me is that I haven't done everything possible to always bring the people I know and love to a saving relationship with Christ. You know, because that is the most important thing. And then when you have a relationship with Christ, what does Paul say? He says that death no longer has a sting and that the grave can't hold us. To be separated from the body is to be present with the Lord if you're in Him. You know, so death doesn't have to scare us. Death can't hold on to us. This is while our body in whatever form you're buried in, whether cremate or not, you know, one day will be resurrected and reunited with your soul. Some people don't believe that. However, the Bible explicitly says it. You know, that one day we will be reunited with our body. However, it will be transformed by God into a holy, perfect body that no longer decays. You know, that we don't have to worry about the effects of sin anymore because sin will be no more. We won't want to sin. We won't want to turn from Jesus like we do now, right? How many of us struggle day in and day out with sin? I know I do. Every day is another day that I have to fight against my flesh and against the sin nature that is warring within me, against the spirit that God has placed within me. And so death is like going after the world and been given permission from God to actually take life. And Hades, Hades is widely known as like the grave. It's where departed souls of unbelievers go right now. A lot of people say hell. This is a form of hell, but the lake of fire is vastly different than Hades. Hades is a place of torture. However, it is not the lake that's burning with sulfur. It's very different. However, it's not a place you want to end up. 
Not a place you want to end up. Because it's torment. Jesus described it when he told the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man went to Hades. And he was being tormented. And it was hot. And there was no way for his thirst to be quenched. And he could see Abraham and the, the man Lazarus. He said, please send him over to even just touch my tongue with some water. Because it's divided by a large chasm. At least it was at that time. Because there were two places in Hades. There was Hades, which was the side of torment. And then there was Abraham's bosom, which was the side of just utter perfection. And that's where people who believed in the Messiah before Jesus came on the scene went. Because it even mentions in the Bible that Jesus went there to show himself to those people and go, I'm the one you believed in. I'm the reason you're here. And now I'm the reason you're going to go to be with the Father. So just know that Hades is not a place you want to be. And it follows very closely to death because it wants to grab you, wants to take you, wants to pull you in. But we're not meant for that. We're not meant to go there. And we should cause, this also should cause us to want to go out and proclaim the gospel even more. So now we're going to go on. I got to speed up just a little bit. I got like 10 minutes. Um, on the fifth seal, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slaughtered because of the word of God and the testimony they had given. And they cried out with a loud voice, Lord, the one who is holy and true, how long until you judge those who live on the earth and avenge our blood? So they were each given a white robe and they were told to rest a little while longer until the number would be completed of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters who were going to be killed just as they had been. So this is martyrs. This is believers who had been killed, who had been killed because they proclaimed God's word, because they gave their testimony about what Jesus had done in their life. And what the saving grace that they experienced from Jesus, the victory that they received in him, they were killed for it. And let me tell you, I'm pretty sure they weren't ticked off that they were killed that way, but they sure as heck want God to avenge them. And he's going to. But he says that there is a number set by him of the amount of believers or saints as they are called. There's a set number. You know, and if I'm part of that number, sweet, I get to die on behalf of Jesus for proclaiming the gospel? Yeah, I'll do that. And that is, that's the way to go, man. You know, proclaiming the gospel, and there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than proclaiming the gospel and watching people get saved by Jesus. It's awesome. And I don't know if you've ever been there when somebody turns their life over to Jesus. There is something that you can see in them that changes. You can see that this life, or as I've talked about before, this breath comes into them. And they're being transformed and they've been made new. And they realize 
the gravity of sin and that they needed Jesus. And now they have him. And now they've been sealed with the spirit. You know, and if they die on Jesus' behalf, well, they're going to go and be under the throne of God, waiting for him to act. And I'm pretty sure they're not upset that he's, he's going to take his time. You know, they want more and more people to join them. So then I saw him open the sixth seal. A violent earthquake occurred. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of hair. The entire moon became like blood. The stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its unripe figs when shaken by a high wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll being rolled up. And every mountain and island was moved from its place. Then the kings of the earth and <clears throat> the nobles, the generals, the rich, the powerful, and every slave and free person hid in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, because the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? The sixth seal is probably the most important one. Because this is actually the end. So when we go further into Revelation, there is at the seventh seal, it ushers in these trumpet judgments. And then at the end of the trumpet judgments, it brings in the bold judgments. Well, the sixth seal, the, se the seventh trumpet, and the seventh bowl are all the exact same thing. All the different judgments are happening at the same time. And they all usher in a different picture of what's already taking place. And so when we see the finality, we see that this is when Jesus returns. Let me real quick show you the where is it? Oh, here's the seventh trumpet. The seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there was a loud voice in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. So, you know, he's showing us that this is the end. This is where Jesus returns and then begins his millennial reign on the earth. Millennial is a thousand years. So he has his thousand year reign on the earth with all of the believers that came back with him. And that would be all of us. If we're following Jesus, when he returns, if we're still alive, we get gathered to him as he is coming down with all these other believers and angels and whoever else he's bringing with him to bring his judgment and wrath fully on the earth. And those of us who don't follow, they're going to try to make war against him. Bad idea. Like Jesus spoke the world into existence, and he could just say one word and it's done. You know, Thanos had to snap. Jesus just has to speak. I had to throw that in there. I just thought that was good. You know, in the seventh bowl, just to kind of fill this out. Then the seventh 
then the seventh bowl was poured out, and a loud voice came from the temple, from the throne, saying, It is done. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake occurred like no other since people have been on the earth. So great was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered in God's presence. He gave her a cup filled with the wine of his fierce anger or wrath. Even every island fled and the mountains disappeared. Enormous hailstones, each weighing about a hundred pounds, fell from the sky on people. And they blasphemed God for the plagues of the hell because that plague was extremely severe. Do you see? It describes the same thing in a different way. It kind of gives us a clearer picture of the things that are going to happen when Jesus is returning. Like, I'm glad that I'm going to be standing with him, and I hope you guys will be too, that you'll be standing with him instead of waiting for the rocks to fall on you or possibly a hailstone that weighs 100 pounds land on you. You're not going to make it after that. You know, but they cursed, they curse God. They don't repent. They're like, no way. They're seeing this awesome display of God's power and they still refuse to turn from sin and follow him. And I think what we need to understand is that we need to turn from sin and we need to repent and we need to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, faithfully enduring till our very last breath. It doesn't matter if somebody's holding a gun to your head saying, renounce Jesus and we won't kill you. You need to say, no way. I am a blood-bought child of the Lord God Almighty and I will stand before him whether you take my life or not. The gospel is powerful. Jesus is powerful. He's almighty. He's God. And he's saying, I lived perfectly. I died for your sin. It was nailed to the cross. You can have victory in me. He rose from the dead saying, ha, the, the grave can't hold me. I have power over death. And he holds the keys of death and Hades. And he is going to throw death, Hades, and the devil into the lake of fire. Because that's who it was created for. But then, there will be the judgment. And many people will be told, depart from me into the lake of fire. Because they chose to be without God. So he gives them exactly what they wanted a place that he is not at. But it's torment and torture. And he wishes that none would perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, so if you haven't come to the knowledge of the truth, I hope that you do. Turn from your sin. Let it go. He's already paid for it. Allow him to transform your life by the sanctifying power of the Spirit. And then you'll be able to stand with him on the day of his return.
Let's pray, guys. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for having this down for us, Lord. But I pray that each and every one of us would stand with you, Lord, that we would endure in our faith, Lord, to the very end, to our very last breath. Lord, for anybody who has not given their life over to you, Lord, I pray that they will right now. Lord, that they would trust in you with all their hearts, with all their mind, with all their strength. Lord, that they would bring you honor and glory and that they would turn and repent from sin fully. Lord, we know that sin is always wanting to wage war against us, but Lord, we have victory and we conquer over sin in you. Lord, lead us. Lord, would you guide us and would you embolden us to proclaim the gospel no matter the situation. Lord, we pray for the food we're going to have and Lord, that you would just bless it to our bodies and we thank you that we have a place that we are able to come, Lord, when we're hungry, when we're hurting, when we're lost and when we need help. Lord, you provided this and Lord, we're grateful for it. Lord, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. Have a good evening. Enjoy your dinner.